Well, as we come together today, we are looking and continuing in our series, This Is What I Like. Uh, and today we're looking at comparisons. And I want to be completely open and honest with you right from the start. I love making comparisons, um, particularly when it comes to purchasing things. So when it comes to a car, for example, I love to scan all the various adverts there are for cars, to look at the different models there are, to kind of read up about them, to discover what kind of things might work for us, to begin to get a sense of price of them, to look at the, um, the environmental impact of them, to look at the maintenance cost. With all, the, I'll stop going on there. All these kind of things I look at as I go along. Not just with that, when it comes to technology, if I need a new phone or, or a new computer or anything like that. I love to just look through all the details, find out about as much as I can about them, the different uh, features that they have, what they offer, the price, uh, the ethics behind the company, all these kind of things. Uh, and right at the minute, it, it has been looking at Rightmove and Zoopla and all of those kind of things uh, around houses, looking at uh, their location, what the schools are like in the area, what the area is itself is like. I'll look at the crime statistics for the areas as well uh, as I'm looking around this. I'll look at the energy performance certificate. Uh, I could go on and on. I haven't even talked about the house yet, have I? Yeah, these are the kind of things that I do. Now, you may be there and you may identify with me. Does anyone identify with me on that? I'm amongst some friends. That's great. Uh, others of you may kind of look at it and think, why on earth do you spend so much time doing that, Get, getting caught up in it? But I love making comparisons, and I always hope that by the end of it, I make an informed and good decision. Uh, you can feel sorry for Jenny, who has to live with me as I go through these, uh, this process. Now, making comparisons in that way may be okay. But there are times when we make comparisons as well where we can't do anything about it. You see, the examples that I've, show, I've told you about are all about where I can make a decision. I can make a decision about what house to buy or what phone to buy or what car to buy. But there are times in life where we can go through the comparison process where it seems to be out of our control where it may be that um, it feels as we look at other people, it feels like they're swimming in a bigger bowl than we are. Uh, and that can happen in many different ways. It could happen with materialism. It, it can happen as we look at the houses or the cars or um, the possessions that we have. We can look at what we have and look at others who have so much more, and the comparison is hard for us to take. We can look at it in terms of jobs, or, or perhaps even the gifts that God has given to people. Uh, and we look at what we seem to be able to contribute and what other people seem to have and be able to contribute, and we just wish it was more. We can look at it in terms of church life. We can look at other churches and feel like we, we feel like we're in a small goldfish bowl uh, and others are in a much bigger bowl, uh, and it seems much better for them. You know, you get this idea of comparisons that we can make. And sometimes the problem with comparisons can be that we end up in a position of feeling dissatisfied, of discontent, and of complaining. You know, I like to make comparisons, but I have to be careful where that leads me in life. 
Uh, And today, in a moment, we're going to be listening to a story. And it's we're going to be reading from Numbers chapter 12, but I'll just give you a little bit of context in chapter 11. We're talking about the people of Israel who have escaped from slavery in Egypt. God has rescued them. Uh, And as he's rescued them, they are going about walking in the wilderness. Uh, And one of the things that happens in chapter 11 is you get a sense of them comparing with how things used to be. This is one of the things where we can look at comparisons. The past always looks so much better as we look back at it looking back with rose-tinted glasses. Uh, And this moment comes uh, when they complain to Moses, and um, they complain to him about all that is going on and that they haven't got the food that they want and so on. And this is what they actually say at one point. They say, "Um, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost, also the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but manna. That's the kind of complaint that they are making, you know, looking back to the past and how good things used to be and how bad things seem to be now. We've lost our appetite. See, looking at the past and making comparisons can be unhelpful. And there's a lot we could say about that, but I felt that today we were going to look at Numbers chapter 12, and there's a different sense of dissatisfaction, of complaint, of comparing what's going on that happens in Numbers chapter 12. And we're going to read the first 15 verses, and um, I think Richard is going to come and read that for us this morning. So it's Numbers chapter 12. And the first 15 verses, it will be on the screen behind me. If you've got a church Bible, you can find it on page 148. Thank you. Good morning. Miriam and Aaron opposed Moses. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked. Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on this earth. At once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you. So the three of them went out. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. He stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When the two of them stepped forward, he said, Listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him, with him I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? 
the anger of the Lord burned against them, and he left them. When the cloud lifted from above the tent, Miriam's skin was leprous. It became as white as snow. Aaron turned toward her and saw that she had a defiling skin disease. And he said to Moses, Please, my Lord, I ask you not to hold against us the sin we have so foolishly committed. Do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb, with its flesh half eaten away. So Moses cried out to the Lord, Please, God, heal her. The Lord replied to Moses, If her father had spit in her face, would she not have been in disgrace for seven days? Confine her outside the camp for seven days. After that, she can be brought back. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not move on till she was brought back. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Well, there we have the story there, a story of um, complaint that comes in against Moses. Uh, Miriam seems to be the instigator of it, and it's all about complaining. And this is what comparisons can lead us to, that position of complaint. Did you know that apparently the British people love to complain? We write more letters of complaint, apparently, than many other places and many other countries. We like to complain about things. Would anyone like to hazard a guess about the top complaints we make? Not necessarily written complaints, because what they found is, uh, as they were doing a survey, that people complain a lot to each other, and particularly when they go home as well. Um, uh, anyone like to hazard a guess as to some of the top five complaints that we make? Yes. The weather. the weather came in at number nine, the British weather. Holidays, um, not actually in this list. It's more day-to-day -day rather than the, the actual ones. Uh, sorry? Trains. Well, um, we have sitting in traffic in at number six, yeah, sorry? Neighbors, um, no, apparently we get on all right as neighbors. Politicians, no, they're not, you'd think they would be in, wouldn't you, at the minute, but no, they're not. I'll tell you the top, sorry? British gas, um, well, kind of, I'll come back to that one, yeah, sorry? The boss at work, no, that, that's not, that's not in there. I'll tell you the top five now. Um, you've got five. Waiting in for a delivery that doesn't turn up. Yeah? Number four, it's kind of a little bit related to the weather maybe, being too cold. Number three, people pushing into queues. Oh, yeah, I can see some nods there. Number two, getting cold called. Calls from unknown numbers. And number one, this is coming back to British gas perhaps, bad customer service, you know, not, not just from them, but from all types of places, the kind of things that we complain about. And, um, you know, 
particularly when it comes to customer services, perhaps what we think we should get as compared to how things actually are. Uh, and that's what happens with comparisons. It's what we think things should be compared to how they actually are. That's what we see in this story. So Miriam has a particular view, which she takes to Aaron and uh, complains to Aaron. And if you look into the Hebrew, that's kind of what they seem to suggest, that it's Miriam who's doing the complaining here, which may well explain why she is the one that gets the brunt of the punishment later on. She's the one who is complaining. What's she not happy with? She's not happy with Moses' wife, a Cushite wife shouldn't have married a Cushite wife, should he? Now, it doesn't go into or elaborate why that's the case, but that is her complaint. Uh, and it doesn't take long to lead on from there. Because if he's made a mistake in marrying this woman, because he shouldn't have done, why does he think that he's hearing more profoundly from God than Miriam is? That's the sense of her complaints. He's married a Cushite. Has the Lord only spoken through Moses? Hasn't he also spoken through us? See the complaint that is happening, the complaint that is going on. That's what comparisons can lead to. Uh, and today as we talk about this, there are three things that I want to suggest for us to consider that we need to, when we make comparisons, because it's only natural that we do, we do look at other people and other people's situations and other things, and we have ideas of how things should be, uh, and, uh, and then the reality of how things are. When we do that, we need to think about guarding our hearts, checking our understanding, and considering our impact. Three things that we're going to talk about this morning. First of all, guard our hearts. I want to talk a little bit about Miriam, first of all, because it, it seems to me that we could get quite a bad impression of her from this chapter. And I want to say that actually, if you look at where she comes up in Scripture, she comes up as a godly and wise woman. We first meet her in the story when Moses is born. And this is at a time when Pharaoh has decreed that all the baby boys who are born will be killed. Uh, and Moses' mother hides him amongst the bulrushes, and Miriam keeps watch. Uh, and there's this moment, some of you will know the story, where um, one of Pharaoh's daughters comes, and she discovers Moses hidden. And she decides she's going to take him back to the palace, bring him up, and look after him. And Miriam, what does she do? She goes and says, would you like me to bring one of the Hebrew mothers to look after him? Uh, and Pharaoh's daughter says, yes. Who does she go to get? Of course, it's his very own mother to look after him, showing great wisdom in this moment. Later on, we come across Miriam again after the um, parting of the sea as the Israelites move across to safety out of reach of the Egyptian army. And there's a celebration that goes on. And Miriam is described as a prophetess. One whom the word of the Lord comes to and who speaks out the word of the Lord. Uh, and here I put this verse on from Micah, chapter 6, verse 4. I brought you, this is God speaking, I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you, also Aaron and Miriam. 
So Miriam is described here as one of the people alongside Aaron and Moses who are very important in the life of Israel. Did you know, it's, it's interesting as I was reading this, Jesus is uh, described sometimes as prophet, priest, and king. Some of you will have heard of that description of him, describing the various functions that Jesus carries out. Now, when you look at the story of the people of Israel and the rescue that they go through, um, there's parodies of God's saving hand here that we will see in Jesus going on. Uh, and in Moses, uh, Aaron, and Miriam, you see the roles of prophet, priest, and king taken. You know, there is Aaron, who is the priest. He's the one who will uh, communicate with God to kind of make people all right before God, to do what's necessary, to, to, that they can approach God, or God uh, and humanity have the gap bridged between them. He's a, Miriam is the one who's the prophetess, the prophet who listens to God and speaks out the word of God. And Moses is the kind of the king, the one whose reign leads to a people having an identity. So you have them here, and here is the crux of the problem. Miriam is not happy with her role. She thinks she could be more than this. And I wonder how often in our Christian lives... Maybe not just where it comes to spirituality, but in our lives generally, where we look at things and think, I'm not happy with my position right now. Because we can look, at, we can make comparisons with how we would like things to be, and where we are feels far short of that. Because Miriam does that, she makes that complaint because, well, ultimately, it's I want to be given more power, a greater sense of authority in the words that I am speaking. Why should it only be Moses that people listen to? She wants more. Now, the problem is with that, that's not the role that God has called her to at this time. She has an important role, but Moses has an important role as well. And she's not to step on what Moses is supposed to be doing. I just wonder, are, are the times in our lives where we look at what we're doing and think, I want it to be different, I want it to be more. There's a verse in Proverbs, chapter 4, verse 23, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. See, Miriam, I want to hold her up as a godly woman, She's a godly woman, but in this particular incident, she gets something wrong. And all of us, when we might want to or hope that we could be described as godly people, people who seek after God's heart, we can sometimes get things wrong. We need to guard our hearts. What's going on in my heart, in my attitudes, in my reactions to various people and situations? Am I reacting as I should be? What's flowing out of my heart? Because in this moment, for Miriam, it's complaint. And actually, that needs to be challenged and changed. And maybe some of us here today need to have a challenge and a change of heart over certain attitudes that we're holding. Because what's flowing out of our hearts is not the right thing guarding our hearts.
Second thing that I want to talk about is checking our understanding. I like the story of a man who went into a village and saw the village shop, and on the outside, on the door, was this notice saying, beware of the dog. So he went in with some trepidation and was looking around the shop for where the dog was. Uh, And actually, uh, he eventually saw the dog who was lying very still by the the till, a a big Labrador, very soft-looking, fast asleep. And um, uh, the man went up to the shopkeeper and said, "Um, is this the dog that the notice is about? And the man said, yes, it is. Is Well, what's the point of that notice? That dog, that looks so gentle, it's never going to hurt anyone, is it? And the man said, no, that dog never would go and hurt anyone. So, so why have you got the notice? It's pointless. He said, well, before I put that notice up, people will come in and trip over him again and again. <laughs> you see, he hadn't understood why the notice was up there. He assumed it meant one thing. He hadn't checked his understanding of what it was all about. You see, Miriam has these reactions to what the role of Moses is and who Moses is married to. Has she checked her understanding? Well, we don't know. Maybe she's had a conversation with Moses at some point before. We don't know that. But where she hasn't checked her understanding is with God. How is God viewing this situation? Because of those ominous words that we hear there, the Lord heard this. The complaint that Miriam was making to Aaron, the Lord heard it. Uh, And the implication is that Aaron was joining in the the complaint as well. So easy to do, isn't it? You know, just a bit of an aside, when somebody complains about something or someone, very easy to join in with that complaint, isn't it? And get alongside them. That's what's happening here. But she hasn't checked it out with the Lord. And then, The Lord calls them out and summons them, and he's now going to tell them exactly what he does think about the situation. When a prophet of the Lord is among you, I reveal myself to him in visions. I speak to him in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He's faithful in all my house. With him, I speak face to face clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Why weren't you afraid not to speak the word of the Lord and speak what's on your heart instead? This is where I feel challenged as I look at this, and uh, it challenges me every time I come to read Scripture and I'm preaching, is... I need to make sure that I'm not speaking my own thoughts, but God's thoughts. And that's a challenge, and I'm a human being, and I'm fallible, and I will get it wrong at times. But the call for all of us is to try to check our understanding and say, Lord, in the situations with the way that I'm viewing things, how do you want me to understand this? Let me ask you the frustrations, the worries, the concerns that you have in the week ahead, the people you will be interacting with who perhaps you find difficult to interact with, the people that maybe you feel negatively about. Have you checked your understanding with the Lord? Lord, how do you want me to view this situation? What should I be thinking about? 
See, that challenges me again and again in the situations in which I find myself day by day, week by week. Yes, it includes when I come to preach and interpreting the word of the Lord, but just in day-to-day attitudes of things. Lord, is my attitude okay towards this? Have I checked what you're thinking about it? Or am I just enjoying living in my own thoughts and my own strength? Checking our understanding. Thirdly, finally, considering our impact. Uh, Again, uh, another story that I came across. I like the story of a museum. And um, they had some expensive antique furniture that they didn't want anyone to be touching. So they put a sign up on it. It said, do not touch. People were still touching the furniture all the time. Uh, They thought about it and changed the notice. said this, caution, wash hands after touching. And suddenly, nobody was touching the furniture. You see, there's more than one way to consider how you tackle a problem. Consider the impact of what you were doing. The museum changed what they were doing, and the impact was very different. What we see here in this story is Miriam's complaints lead to an impact that is not good for herself. The anger of the Lord burned against them, and he left them. When the cloud lifted from above the tent, there stood Miriam leprous, like snow. And it goes on to give the description when Aaron pleads to Moses, do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb with its flesh half eaten away. The impact on Miriam of her complaints is serious. Uh, And actually, one complaint often grows into another and grows into an attitude, and the impact on us can be serious. So easy for us to get into the routine of seeing things negatively, complaining about it, looking at the worst of things. Uh, And I want to hold that in comparison to the impact that Moses has. You see, Moses prays for Miriam. Oh, God, heal her. You see, Miriam has complained, and Moses prays, heal her. Moses could have had a very different opinion, and the impact of the situation would have been very different. You see, Moses could have said, look, I've had so many complaints from the people, the one thing I expected was that my own family wouldn't start complaining against me. Surely you understand the difficulty of my situation. He could have been angry. He could have been bitter. He he could have felt self-righteous because here, actually, God has judged in favor of Moses hey, I'm right. I'm right. You're wrong. Anyone ever feel a sense of satisfaction when something is proved that you were right and someone else is wrong? It's a human reaction, isn't it? That's how we feel. But look at how Moses deals with it. He doesn't live in that place of bitterness or anger or frustration or self-righteousness. He says, oh Lord, please heal her. And that's what happens. See, we can 
understand that healing takes place straight away because Miriam is put out for seven days outside of the camp. That's the length of time for somebody who was healed would have been put outside the camp. So Moses' prayer makes a big difference. You see the difference in a situation, the impact where one person is motivated by comparisons that lead to negativity, that lead to complaint, and one person is impacted by grace. Uh, and we see an outworking of that in Moses' life. And we see it in the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we look at what Jesus has done for us through his grace, you see, when we're talking about comparisons, I've been talking about it negatively. But let's start the comparison of our situation compared with where we would be if Jesus had not done what he has done for us. If he did not have grace on us, where would we be? We need that comparison in our lives that focuses on grace and brings grace into the situations that we are in, that changes our comparisons away from looking at the things that other people have, comparing to other people's situations, and comparing ourselves instead to where we would be without Jesus, who loves us, who died for us, who has set us free, who makes everything different for us, because he is full of grace and mercy. What about for us in our lives? How are we going to be impacted this week? Are our lives going to be full of dissatisfaction, complaint? Or are we going to rediscover or discover the, 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 for the first time the grace of Jesus Christ who loves us? and doesn't give us what we deserve, and changes everything for us. May God help us to make the right comparisons this week, to guard our hearts, to check our understanding, to consider the impact that we make in the way that we live, choosing to live by grace, or living by comparisons, in a negative way. The choice is ours. What's it going to be? Amen.